Exposing the Illegal Empire with Shane Britton. Welcome back to the Exposing the Illegal Empire podcast. I'm Shane Britton, CEO of Crime Stoppers International, and your host for this journey into the shadowy world of an illegal empire of a truly global nature. It's great that you're joining us again today. If you haven't had a chance yet to listen to our earlier episode, you'll find the link in today's show notes. Today's guest is slightly different and brings the perspective of the tobacco industry as a specific case study of where illegal trade can impact an industry. Cigarettes are one of the most widely counterfeited and illegally traded products. So with us today is Vincent Byrne, the head of anti-illicit trade operations at Japan Tobacco International, or JTI. Welcome to the show, Vincent. Hello, Shane. Delighted to join this discussion. Vincent, you're currently the head of anti-illicit trade operations at a big multinational company. What's your background? What career path led you to this position? I actually started my career as a police officer in Ireland. I joined the Irish Police Force in 1990 on Gordon Shea and um, I went through went through a number of postings in in Dublin City. Uh, did my time as a uniform officer, uh, and then was appointed to detective branch uh, in Dublin, where I I learned my skills or developed my skills as an investigator of all types of serious crime robbery, burglary, uh, sexual crime, uh, murder. And then in 1996, um, a, a series of events happened in Ireland um, surrounding organised crime that, that helped change my and um, forge my career path. The Irish government, in response to escalating crime uh, and uh, organised crime, drug trafficking and the murder of a police officer, seriously wounding of another during a robbery by the IRA, followed a few weeks later by the murder of an investigative journalist established an agency to aid the fight against organized crime and that agency was a multi-agency team the criminal assets bureau whose focus was on targeting the money the proceeds generated from crime right so over the next um over the next number of years my career took on a path of um i was appointed to that agency actually i was one of the original members appointed which was a great honor at the time and uh, over the next number of years, um, participated and later led and managed teams investigating crime gangs, different groups, individuals who were involved in criminality of all types of criminality, but with the sole purpose of making money illegally. And these type, uh, you know, a, a lot of crime is motivated. Uh, most serious crime is motivated by the, the need to make money, uh, drug trafficking, fraud, theft, robbery, people trafficking prostitution, uh, a whole myriad of crimes, uh, and cross-border smuggling, including oil smuggling and cigarette smuggling. And it was it was during this phase of my career that I, I, I was involved in a number of investigations of cross-border crime gangs operating on the border between Ireland and Northern Ireland, who were um, smuggling cigarettes on a very large scale and making significant money, illegal money from that. So I, I participated in a number of those investigations for years um, that took me to various countries across the world where money moved and money flowed to. And uh, eventually in 2013, I embarked on a career change uh, and joined JTI's anti-illicit trade operations team. You know, I think it's interesting that when you first said uh, your background is as a police officer, I, I didn't really necessarily see the link between that and, and working at JTI and anti-illicit trade. But from what you've just described, you're looking at many of the same things. It's it's organized crime gangs making money out of doing doing the wrong thing, right? Exactly. Um, you know, the people involved in the illegal tobacco trade are in it for one purpose only, to make money illegally. And it is a huge illegal business. 
And of course, um, the illegal tobacco trade affects JTI as it does other legitimate businesses, but not just the tobacco manufacturers. It affects um, um, wholesalers, distributors, retailers, and of course, the consumer, the public. So um, crime groups see the opportunity to make money illegally, and they have focused on this in, um, quite significantly all across the world as a, as a way and a means to make illegal money quite easily. So. That is why um, JTI have a, a function within the within the company that that tries to combat the illegal trade, helps to protect the company's brands, and um, and in fact JTI's anti illicit trade operations team, which I currently lead, um, make a significant contribution across the globe to law enforcement's efforts in combating the illegal trade. Vincent, for those listeners who aren't aware of it, what? What is the illegal trade of cigarettes? Is it stealing cigarettes? Is it making them and pretending they're something else? What what does it actually look like? It's stealing cigarettes is a very, very small, small part of it. And that has usually opportunist thefts um, that occurs. But what we're talking about is, is counterfeiting for a start, counterfeiting of cigarettes, which is a huge global problem. Um, it is the smuggling of cigarettes from a low tax in country to or a high, to a higher taxing uh, country, and it is the it is the various forms of distribution of those cigarettes in those markets, of course illegally through illegal supply chains uh, and selling them to often unwitting consumers who buy them cheaply. Right. So things like faking the packaging and and pretending to be a brand name and that yep. type of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, no different than other consumer goods like your your high value tops, you know, um, yep. Nike or Adidas tops, electronics. Yep. So counterfeiting cigarettes, um, and this 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 is a particularly at this moment in time, this is a particularly big problem in in the Europe and Western Europe. So oftentimes when we would think of counterfeit cigarettes, which is fake packaging, um, a replica of not just JTI brands, but other other well-known tobacco manufacturers brands also, um, you would think um, these would originate in Far East and particularly China, which of course uh, did for many years. And um, there's still a counterfeit production issue in Southeast Asia. However, over the last five, six years, the uh, counterfeiting, the sighting of counterfeit factories in Europe has grown quite significantly, certainly over the last five, six years. Uh, and crime groups we have seen are locating illegal factories in, in hidden, remote, difficult to access locations all across Europe, um, producing cigarettes illegally of various brands, and then distributing them to their chosen markets in Western Europe. And as you, as you know, are probably aware that many of the markets in Western Europe have got quite high excise and tax regimes. So cigarettes are legitimate cigarettes are quite expensive. Absolutely. And of course, these counterfeit brands then are being sold illegally at half price or less on the black market. What, what do you think has driven that move from manufacture throughout Asia into, into Western Europe? Why has that phenomenon happened? Part of it is is probably crime groups um, cutting out the huge transportation costs and logistics involved in moving containers of counterfeit cigarettes from Southeast Asia to Europe, and it is also having the the source of these illegal cigarettes much closer to their destination markets. So, for example, the United Kingdom um, is a large market, large country population wise, and um, it is a big destination for counterfeit cigarettes. 
but other countries in Europe or other markets in Europe are also des uh, destinations for these counterfeits. Uh, France is, um, Ireland is another high-income high country, Germany. So nearly every country in Europe is affected in one way or the other. And in fact, uh, last year in, in 2021, law enforcement authorities in the, in the EU, and not just the EU, in, in the United Kingdom as well, seized in excess of 74 illegal factories or illegal counterfeit wow. production facilities in, in various uh, member states. And, and so what about COVID? Did that have an impact on, on the trade? Is it increasing, decreasing? Did it make it harder? Uh, criminals are quite resilient to this type of issue, right? Certainly the COVID pandemic had an impact initially, but I think the COVID pandemic impacted everything for the, the first uh, few months of 2020, you know, from March, March through to the summer of 2020 when it struck in Europe. Is impacted this way. Um, the illegal factories in Europe, uh, it was difficult for the crime groups to move uh, workers and people into these factories to work in them. And these were, these illegal factories were um, run by um, crime groups, um, let's say from Western Europe, from the UK, um, from Poland, from other countries. A lot of these factories you'll see from public reporting, yeah, when they are raided, you'll see the people working at are found thereon have come from East European countries. So that was affected initially by COVID. COVID also affected the movement of containers, etc., for quite some while. But you hit the nail on the head there. Crime groups are resilient. They don't play by any rules um, or, or anything like that. So they spend their time identifying ways to get around this. And yes, they have. You know, the 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 cigarette, the illegal smuggling of cigarettes and the manufacture of cigarettes has has continued notwithstanding COVID, and um, it continues to flourish. And I think we've seen that across a range of crime types, that the criminals generally uh, respond far more effectively than, than government agencies and law enforcement agencies. They, they see a barrier, but that's just a small hurdle to overcome, uh, and they find a way around it. You, you mentioned a cross-border movement of, of cigarettes. Can you share any insight with us about how that happens? How do they actually move products from one border to the next country? Well, the smuggling of cigarettes takes place in many, many forms. And you're talking about everything from people going to a holiday destination, uh, let's say a, a cheap country in Europe, like, um, for example, the Canary Islands, and simply bringing home a few suitcases of cigarettes in their luggage and taking the chance that they will get through airport custom security. Everything to people moving cigarettes in containers. So loading the container with cigarettes, then putting in some legitimate cargo, maybe some furniture at the, in the back of the container, maybe two rows of furniture, uh, and then misdeclaring the cargo as furniture right. and, and sending it then, uh, often hijacking the name of a legitimate company in the in the country of destination and putting that company's name on the uh, the the papers the transportation papers that accompanies the container and uh, and and shipping the the container of cigarettes in that way on arrival in the country of destination maybe sometimes an unwitting transport company is sent to collect the container of cigarettes it, of course, it doesn't go anywhere near the, the the company whose name is declared on it. It's diverted into some obscure warehouse somewhere, and very quickly, uh, the container is slaughtered. Is the term used uh, where the within half an hour, a group of crime group members have have emptied the container and dispersed it to a number of wholesalers, 
And what I mean by wholesalers, I mean, of course, illegal wholesalers, other smaller criminal groups in the supply chain who, who each might take a fifth of the load or, or whatever they've agreed beforehand and uh, go to whatever part of the country they have their customer base in. So, so we're really talking about the same supply chain as narcotics, right? Where the, the item that comes across the border is, is quickly distributed through the, the chain out to everyday people who are, who are buying this. That is correct. The people involved in smuggling cigarettes, of course, oftentimes are involved in other crime like narcotics. Um, some of them have had past um, careers, if you want to call it that, in terrorist activity, etc. So they have know-how, discipline, and uh, they employ that those skills wrongly, of course, but, but to good use to what they want to do. And I have to say, Vincent, one of the things that, that really jumps out at me here is what what they're doing is creating a channel to get across the border uh, an illicit item, right? And I, I'm assuming the criminal syndicates don't care what that item is. It's just a, a profit of, of how much they can make and what the penalties are if they're caught. So I, I think we might be running the risk here of emboldening them that if they can do it with tobacco, then why not narcotics? If they could do it with narcotics, then why not weapons? If they could do it with weapons, why not people? You know, this this seems to be a really... Um, uh, opening a vulnerable national security channel here. And, and all of that is happening, Shane. Some of the crime groups that, that I've come upon in my previous career in the police and during my time working with JTI are involved in other criminality as well, drug trafficking, people trafficking. Uh, and I referred to the illegal production, the counterfeit production, where people, uh, essentially it's modern day slavery, the way people are treated yeah. in some of those illegal factories. So, so what does JTI actually do to, to help stop this? Well, JTI, have a, we have a global anti-illicit trade um, function, and I, I lead that function. We have um, a number of people in, in the team placed in strategic locations throughout the world. And, and the people making up this team, a few of them come from backgrounds like myself, but, uh, but a number of them come from other backgrounds in private industry, some from within uh, the tobacco industry itself, but some of them from other um, professions like uh, legal and other types of industry. So they bring a, a particular expertise uh, and skills to, to the role. We do a number of things. First and foremost, our primary objective is to secure our own supply chain. And that is paramount importance to JTI. And through the actions we've taken over the last uh, 15 years or more, JTI has got a very, very secure supply chain. And and uh, the, the facts are over the last uh, four or five years, over 98% of all JTI brands seized, in fact, have been counterfeit and, and across the globe. So in other words, very, very little smuggling of JTI's own brand. So yeah, right. that is the first point we make. So a lot of effort goes into doing that. We then do a lot of work as in providing support to law enforcement agencies in the form of intelligence. Uh, we, our teams gather information about all aspects of the illegal trade, be it local sales or distribution in a particular market, whether them sales are, are street corner sales or via Facebook or in, in shops or normal retail that have been infiltrated by criminals. Um, all the way up to pro providing information about container shipments, cross-border movements of tobacco products, and wow. and the counterfeit factories, which I've just described. Um, so we, we bring quite a lot of industry expertise, um, providing information and support to various law enforcement agencies across the world. Do you, do you think they're doing enough to, to tackle the problem, to focus on, on illicit trade? I suppose... I, I and many other people in industry and even in, in law enforcement say that you can never do enough. 
Um, yeah. it is, it is, it is a very, um, there's always big demands, uh, on law enforcement. And, you know, part of what we're doing is trying to, trying to demonstrate and educate law enforcement just how much money, how serious and how multi, um, dimensional, uh, this crime is. It's not just, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's a crossover between other crimes, people trafficking, drugs, etc. So, um, resources is always an issue for law enforcement and other demands, you know, uh, fraud, banking theft, online theft, all this has really escalated over the last number of years as well. It's very, it's very, uh, uh, topical at the moment in the media. So there's always demands in law enforcement. And of course, there is always a need to do more, but, um, a lot of law enforcement are making huge efforts on this. And the, the example I've given there about the 74 illegal factories seized in, in the EU member states in yeah, 2021 is, is testament to that. Absolutely. I, I wonder whether part of this is uh, is an awareness problem that, uh, you know, we need to make people aware that, that this is a problem, that it doesn't just affect tobacco, right? Uh, as I said earlier, this this creates a channel across borders that other goods can go on. Uh, as you said, there's there's the links to modern slavery and people who are involved in that that supply chain. And and we've seen all the other links where some of the money that these criminal syndicates make go to terrorist organizations. They go to serious organized crime groups to, to fund a whole range of other criminal activities. Do you think we're doing enough to make people aware of just how dangerous this is? I think more needs to be done. We constantly need to educate people and, and uh, to, tell, to, to inform them about, about what's happening. And the, the 20 euro that they pay for an illegal uh, carton of cigarettes, um, what it, who it gets to, who it contributes to. So there's a lot of people benefit from this, as you've mentioned, Shane, uh, crime groups, and, and sometimes it helps to fund terrorist groups as well. There's no doubt about that. But there's um, often people will know the this, this story about the guy who lives at the end of the street and they all know he doesn't work, but he changes his car once a year. But yeah. the, the, the whispers are, oh, you know, he's involved in the illegal cigarettes. He sells illegal cigarettes. So you're talking about everything from someone like that, a local guy who is the local distributor or local sales guy going around selling cigarettes in, in the housing estates to the, to the different crime groups all the way up to the top of the ladder. Um, everyone is profiting uh, a little bit along the way and at the top quite significantly. You know, and, and I think like the narcotic trade, if if we focus on uh, arresting the people on the streets who are everyday users, who are um, small suppliers and, and distributors of this, we're not actually going to have a big impact. That becomes a whack-a-mole problem, right? Where like any any other financial crime, if we go up the tree and look at those people who are ultimately responsible and directing this, we might be able to make some some change then. Absolutely, you know, it is the case almost in all type crime investigations that the the people at the bottom of the supply chain or the bottom of the of the chain are often the guys caught up caught up first, and they're they're easily disposable by the crime gangs and leaders. So that has always been the difficulty to trying to trying to nail the top guys. But we see efforts in various law enforcement agencies nowadays that they are beginning to realise certainly in some jurisdictions that uh, there's other ways of of uh, going after these crime groups it's not just for the smuggling of cigarettes they are looking at the other offenses that's let's lay on like money laundering offenses right. um, acid forfeiture assets confiscation uh, i touched on it in my previous career um, where the money has been made so agencies are beginning to look at other other types of crimes as well and in fact in some of the other offenses connected 
with the cigarette smuggling has even more serious uh, penalties. Um, for example, money laundering, conviction in some jurisdictions, you can get up to 14 years imprisonment for smuggling of cigarettes if you were convicted, might have a maximum sentence of five years. So Vincent, what do you think governments can actually do about this problem? What should we be asking for from governments around the world? First of all, governments should try and improve their enforcement of national borders to close loopholes. Um, I, I mentioned earlier about how the smugglers make great efforts to to evade evade the authorities at borders when they're moving containers or concealments of tobacco through. So um, to try and close those loops if possible, that, that would be a good help. They should also explore other fiscal measures that would allow consumer confidence and avoid the temptation to buy illegal cigarettes. And by that, by that I mean that sudden or rapid or steep or sudden tax increases make cigarettes even more expensive in some of those countries. And people then turn for a cheaper alternative to seek cheaper um, alternative products. So yeah. evidence has shown that these steep and sudden tax increases uh, have an effect, uh, have a detrimental effect, and, and in fact drive consumers towards the cheaper good and uh, are tempted to go down the street. So um, these are two things that could be considered. One is on the enforcement side and the other one is on the policy side. Um, I wanted to share a little story just related to that. I, I was in a large tourist area in a country and I won't embarrass the country by naming it uh, here. But while I was there, I noticed a, an individual had set up a table uh, in this this big, heavily trafficked area, uh, lots of shops and, and people running around trying to buy things for Christmas. and. They were selling fake handbags as well as fake electronics. Um, they had some other items on a, on a big foldable table. And when I looked at the handbags, I could actually see the genuine boutique in the background uh, behind where this person was. And, and what I found most surprising is two police officers were, were leaning against the side of the table, watching people to see if there were any um, threats in amongst the people. Uh, I mean, that to me kind of sums up the issue, right? We're, we've got counterfeits in front of uh, the very boutique that they're ripping off, and we've got police officers looking for other crime types when there's a crime happening right next to them. That's that's correct. And, you know, when I was talking about education for the consumers, education for law enforcement as well, um, quite often police forces throughout the world have focused on what's what we would, let's say, term mainstream police, maintaining law and order in the streets, uh, stopping theft from the shop, you, you know, that, that, that high value boutique, if they were to press the alarm, Shane, in whatever city you were in at that time, you know, that someone had just stolen a handbag. Yeah, the response would be immediate. The response would be immediate. You're, you're correct. But oftentimes, and even, even myself going back 15, 20 years ago when I was in the police, didn't have such a great knowledge on the, the scale of the counterfeit or the smuggling of consumer goods or, or tobacco products or alcohol and stuff like that. So it, it, you're right. Awareness and, and JTI and through our anti-illicit trade team, we do quite a lot of um, work with law enforcement agencies to raise awareness. Um, just, just giving them information about the scale of it, what the different types is happening, etc. And this is very welcome to have to say by by the law enforcement agencies. Um, and oftentimes they express surprise to us at, at, at exactly what we are telling them. And and I'll have to put in a small plug here for Crime Stoppers International that if you go to our website at crimestoppersinternational.org, you'll see a link to our online learning platform called CSI Learning. 
where we actually have some free modules on, on what is illicit trade, what are the impacts and a range of case studies there. So I'd encourage any listeners to jump on and, and have a look and educate themselves and pass it on to others so that we can we can spread the word on what illicit trade actually is and, and how this illegal activity funds other crime types. Vincent, we're, all, we're almost out of time. Um, we're almost also at the end of 2022. So what would you like to see happen or change in, in 2023? A few things. Um, better awareness by consumers, uh, for consumers to get a better awareness about exactly what's happening, to resist the temptation of buying the cheaper good, because of course the demand drives the supply. More cooperation between industry and law enforcement uh, and, and continued uh, and continued efforts and, and dedication by law enforcement to, to the combating the smuggling uh, and the counterfeiting of tobacco products and, of course, other consumer products also. Yep, so it sounds like we'll have a busy 2023. So that's it for today's episode, Vincent. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us. I really appreciate your expertise and, and sharing some points about your background. Thank you, Shane. Next time in Exposing the Illegal Empire. Well, human trafficking is where a person basically is tricked and deceived into a situation where they lose control of their life. Over the last 35 years, I've been working on this and I burnt out about three times. But you know, we don't pick our causes. Our causes pick us. Exposing the Illegal Empire from Crime Stoppers International, supported by JTI. Please follow and rate on your podcast app. To find out more about any of the subjects featured in our podcast, please visit theillegalempire.com and check us out on Twitter at Empire Illegal. 